and we are live for the 120th episode of the Bronx Marble Babble Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Lozaluigi, and tonight, it's me, it's Andrew, and it's G. How are we doing, fellas? Good to have you back, man. How's yeah, going? it's good. It's good to be back. It's good to be back. I had some laptop issues. Obviously, you know, I've been busy with work over the past, like, year or so. It's, like, almost every week, but... Yeah, you know, had some laptop issues, but you know what? We're back. We're better than ever. And hey, our Yankees are still the best team in baseball, right? Uh, they've definitely come back down to earth just a bit the last couple weeks, right? Uh, last two series, there's been two splits, right? One against the Pirates, then one against the rival Red Sox in a series which started off great and then ended in kind of, you know, sloppy, very uh, disappointing fashion. We'll get all into that. Uh but yeah, guys, I mean, we're still 14 games up in the division. Um, it seems like the four other teams in the AL East are all kind of just beating each other up. Like I said in the pre-show while we were talking, we all thought that the top four teams in the AL East were just all going to beat each other up this year. It's actually the bottom four teams because I don't know if you guys have been paying attention to what the O's are doing, but they're the hottest team in baseball and they're a few games out of the playoff spot. So yeah, they're, the AL East is just kind of beating each other up. The Yankees still have a comfortable lead, but... There's still some holes to be filled. We're going to get into that. We're going to recap the Red Sox series. But, guys, that was <laughs> – if you – you know, anytime you go into Fenway and get a split in a four-game set, you really can't be too mad. The Red Sox didn't gain any ground, whatever. But the way they lost those two games was definitely frustrating, to say the least. Yeah, if you told me five, six days ago that the Yankees are going to split a four-game set in Boston – uh, I'd be like, yeah, all right, that's fine. It's not ideal, uh, considering exactly. how, how good this team has been. But I'm I'm content with that. But the way they went out and and took big leads in three or I guess all four games they had a lead. every game. They, I, yep. I, I saw some weird stat last night. Uh, I forget at what point it was actually posted, but it said up to a certain point the Red Sox had only led in like I think it was five of the first 36 innings or something like that, and and yet they were on the cusp of. Uh, well, 36 would be four full games less, well, with the extra innings. Uh, so it was probably one inning shy of, yeah, uh, the ninth inning last night. So they they had only held the lead or were tied in, I think, five of the first 36 innings. And they, they were they were there one inning away from a split. And and it almost didn't feel that way. Uh, Yankees have, have a weird tendency of never being able to hold the lead in Fenway Park. Uh, it just feels like anytime you, you, you go up three, four runs, you're just clinging for dear life uh, they almost gave away a game on thursday they almost gave a game away on friday then kind of tacked on late to put that one away they did give away leads on saturday and sunday so it, it was a very unsatisfying split not it, it the, the tone was a lot different after taking the first two games thursday and friday and thinking like we can really bury these guys and we didn't Exactly. That's that's the frustrating part. Like there was just a sense of, okay, if hey man, if we go into Fenway and you know sweep these guys, take three or four, I mean we really just we really because I mean well I forget what the number is exactly, but I believe the Red Sox have either like they haven't won a series against the AL East. It's either like all year or like their last nine series against the AL East. They have not won, and obviously. That's still the case because they split, but they could have really, I mean, the Red, they could have put the Red Sox in last place, you know, they could have, or close to last place. Like, and that's not even, you know, far-fetched fantasy anymore. Like I said, with the Orioles being basically a 500 team now, right? Yeah. So 
we could have really almost, I mean, virtually ended the Red Sox season because, you know, the Red Sox, they, despite have like, their lineup still terrifies me. Obviously, you know, Rafael Devers uh, being just Garrett Cole's father this weekend, that was very unenjoyable despite us winning that game. Um, they still have a scary lineup and, like, a really scary team, but, yeah, they've struggled this year. It has not been a great year for them, and we really could have just put them in the dirt, and we didn't, right? They had, they came, you know, they had a big win, like extra innings win Saturday, a come from behind win Sunday, where they just kind of, you know, started embarrassing us by the end. I mean, that's those are the types of wins that, and I think you said this, uh, I think on Sunday night, last night, Andrew, that those are the types of wins that really like get a team, like a light a fire under a team. Those are the types of wins that a team can, you know, really get back in the swing of things. And, you know, you don't want to give a team like the Red Sox at your division rival, like a win like that, right. Or two wins like that back to back. Right. You know, like, would you be shocked if either of you guys be shocked if the Red Sox go on to win like, you know, 12 of the next 13 after wins like that? No, not at all. Cause those are the types of wins that give a team momentum. So definitely disappointing to lose two back to back to back games like that one game where you know you're basically a josh donaldson clean double play from winning and then another game where you're up six two and you know with, the, with how great our pitching's been this year just for us to lose end up losing 11-6 the red sox go nine unanswered that was that was upsetting to say the least in a year where there hasn't been too much to be upset about to be fair yeah i mean it's hard. It's definitely annoying when you, you know, like you've all said, you win the first two games of the series, you had a lead in the third one, you had a lead in the fourth one. Like, it's very annoying to get a split like that. Um, but just in general, you know, it's it's to, to say, like, the Yankees, you know, they're not going to face the A's, they're not going to face, you know, the Tigers, they're not going to face whomever in the playoffs. Like, you're going to face good teams. And it's very annoying when you give those teams hope or give those teams like an indication that they could beat you. But like all that I saw was that they are for most of the innings that they were on the field, basically all the innings they were on the field, they were, you know, there with a lead. And otherwise, you know, I didn't see any indication that like the Red Sox would just walk over the Yankees in a playoff series. I Um, will say, though, having the lead for the majority of innings really doesn't mean anything as we saw when we split our own home series against the Astros just a couple weeks ago, the Yankees didn't lead for more than three, four innings, that whole series. Uh, They got no hit in one game. They had two ninth inning comebacks or excuse me, an eighth inning tie and then a ninth inning walk off in one and then a full ninth inning comeback in the other. Uh, So yeah, we left like five minutes that series. basically. Yeah. And then even the Friday night game, which was the the least dramatic of them. uh, (laughs) It was tied through, I think four or five innings. Tucker at the three-round home run, Stanton hit a solo home run, and that's kind of just where it sat the rest of the game. Um, and yet we split that series. So there are ways that teams can can scratch out wins that you really don't have any business in. And that actually is what is concerning a little bit, just that the Red Sox have that in their DNA more than any team or franchise that that I can speak of. Uh, and we've been on, on the, the wrong end of that far too often. Uh, I don't need to bring up 2004. Uh, let's just leave it at that, right? But like, there, there's so many times where like they are dead in the water, and and they find ways to win. And regardless of how the regular season standings shake out, however the AL East shakes out, if we get in a playoff matchup with them, they can pull that stuff on any given night, and that's scary. I mean, it is, yeah. It's it's scary, but I also think that we're 
like the last couple of years, right? We get to the Red Sox, we go to Fenway Park, go to wild card game. Like it's very likely going to be different this year because we're not going into Fenway Park for a one game playoff where we lose, we go home. Where if we face them, it would be presumably in a playoff series where they would have to beat us and we would have to beat them, of course, but they would have to beat the Yankees, you know, four out of, you know, seven times. Like it's going to very likely be different. So I'd say we have to all factor that in. And I would say in terms of like specific instances of this weekend series, again, it's very annoying, but we're in game, you know, whatever, 80 something like there's half the season to go. Like you'd be managing those playoff games differently. Um, we can talk about Jameson Tyone later. I was, you know, he's been pretty bad lately. Um, where you would factor him into a playoff rotation, that's all the discussion. But all of that to say is that you'd be managing those games differently. If you find yourself up 6-2 in the fourth inning, with you know, you maybe, after he gives up a couple of hits, double off the wall, whatever, maybe you don't send it back out for another inning. Maybe the first man out of your bullpen isn't Miguel Castro. You know, Chapman's mm-hmm. back, Lasagna's back, you know, I think, hopefully yeah, soon. Been... Like, I think, you know, there's there's lots of stuff that's going to change between now and then, but I'm just saying that, like, I think it's more, I'm more of the opinion that the Yankees left shit on the table rather than the Red Sox just came out and, like, grabbed it right out of their hand. Like, I think the Yankees more gave it to them, but in a way that is fixable. Yeah, no, no, you're 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 not wrong, and I and I do agree with your your point that maybe these games get managed a little differently. Part of what necessitated the the bullpen maneuvers that you were referring to last night, Castro and Albert Abreu pitching in two games, uh, was the the starters not giving you length. And certainly you can go to a second starter if they add uh, another arm at at the trade deadline, and you have a guy like I don't know Tyone or Cortez coming out of the bullpen now, and then to start or, like two three innings say, or Herman or. Yeah, Zachary, I was gonna say I Domingo Herman. Like, can't count on the on the healthy or injured people until they're proven healthy again. But like, there's right. arms that'll factor in there. I yeah, and, and that's part of the thing too. That I, you you look at the Yankees bullpen, and on any given night, Boone's done a masterful job managing them and getting the most out of those guys. Wandy stepped up big time in, in certain moments. Uh, we really liked what we were getting from uh, Ron Marinaccio before he went down with the injury. But it, it did seem like if you needed big outs. There was two guys, King and Holmes, and you can't go to those guys in the fifth inning every game. Now, you may be able to go to Mike King in the fifth inning of a playoff game and get him to go six outs and then maybe puzzle the rest through to Holmes. Sure. And that's where the game may be factored differently. But the team as a constructor right now, I agree that part of Boone's bullpen maneuvering this series was driven by the fact that a lot of guys are still hurt and not unavailable or, or not up to speed. Like Chapman may turn on the Jets and be awesome later in the year, and then he's not going to be a middle-of-the-inning guy. Um, DJ LeMay, he's not going to drop two pop-ups to, to blow up that inning, too. Uh, so th- a lot of things are different. I, I, I totally get that. Yeah, and I think, well, I mean, my maybe my prevailing two bits on the Red Sox series, like, um, I didn't... And I mean, I guess maybe it's a little different. It's sort of similar for the Houston games that they played so far. Houston is obviously very good, and they're a couple of games back or whatever. Like, you know, they're going to be good. They're not going to go away. Unless you're an all-time great team, you're not just going to steamroll your way to a World Series championship. Um, But I didn't see anything that makes me think, like, oh, damn, like, they have to get up to Houston's level. Like, I saw indications that they would play. Like, if they played the Red Sox, I think, you know, 
make some bullpen additions, maybe get another outfielder or whatever. I think if they played the Red Sox, they'd play four or five or six close games and the Yankees would win and it would be fun. And ultimately, I don't think we would sweat too much. Knock on wood for that, whatever you want to do. But like, I think as the season goes on, presumably health, knock on wood for this too, you can turn the Albert Abreus into the Johnny Lasagnas. Eventually you'd add Britain. Chapman hopefully gets better, right? Maybe get another bullpen arm. And then you're off and running when Jameson Tyone throws four innings and you still have a lead. Like, I just, I don't know. It's it's annoying when you split a series that they won the first two games of, but I still think I'm just imagining what will probably become of the team rather than just, like, projecting this team as it is right now into a playoff series. Right, right. That's the thing. Like, that's, we don't think, hopefully, we, Miguel Castro isn't getting, you know, big bullpen innings in the playoffs, right? Like, that's what we're hoping for. Um, let's talk about the uh, Red Sox series, though. Let's go over those four games real quick. Um, guys, first off, the Yankees, the All-Star teams were announced, and the Yankees have six All-Stars. Obviously, Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton, both starting in the outfield. Uh, Stanton just got in. Uh, Judge was the leading vote getter, so he got in easily. Garrett Cole, part of the rotation. And another guy, part of the rotation, Nestor Cortez, his first all-star appearance. Jose Trevino, behind the plate. Obviously, he's not starting, but he gets the all-star not his first appearance. And Clay Holmes also, also gets the all-star appearance. So, six Yankees getting all-star nods. I mean, well-deserved, all of them. But, I mean, Nestor, I mean, you really could just argue and debate, like, which is the best story between Nestor, Clay, and um, uh, Trevino, and who's the best story in terms of, like, their all-star game uh, path, because all three have just incredible stories. I mean, if you would have told anyone, you know, three, four years ago that, hey, you know, any of those three guys would be all-stars, like, I don't think many people would believe you, right? Like, (laughs) those guys were, like, barely major leagues at, at that point, so... Congrats to all three of them. Congrats to all six of those guys, but especially those three. I mean, all their first all-star game appearances. Uh, Judge's fourth. Uh, Cole, I believe it's his third or fourth. And Stan, it's his first all-star appearance with the Yankees, which is kind of surprising when you think about it. But, yeah, Stan had, did not have any all-star game appearances with the Yankees. So, shout out to Stan. I'll speak up for Stan. First of all, Trevino and Nestor Cortez, like, those guys are all awesome. And especially – like, you know, Nestor has been DFA'd and re-signed and all this other stuff, you know, comes yep. back. And, you know, Trevino got acquired on, like, the last day of spring training, and he's just been awesome. Um, people need to respect John Carl Stan a little bit. Like, you know, he was injured for a while there, but, like, as a Yankee, he had – what did he have? 38 and 100 his first season as a Yankee. Comes after the, the season after he hits 59 home runs, so people think that that's not good enough. Like, that's not an incredible season. And he hit 35 home runs and had 97 RBIs last year. Like, plays pretty good defense when he's in the outfield. Like, people just need to just lighten up on this man. Like, he's he's a good player. Yeah, and, and even when he's in his funks, like, he certainly has not been hitting the ball all that well over the last – two, three-week stretch. Now, he's had a couple of really big hits and made them all count, right? So I think there was well, – what was the stat that uh, he only had, uh, like, 11 hits and eight of them were home runs or something? I was going to say, he was, like, technically slumping but also somehow hit a home run in, like, five out of yeah. six games. Yeah. Like, so <laughs> no, you know, at come... one point, he had, 
at one point he had six straight hits that were all home runs, and he was like the like six for forty, but like all six of those hits were home runs. So yes, so and I think that's kind of the 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 guy where if Joey Gallo was like that over the long over the long haul, Yankee fans wouldn't be so critical or as desperate to defend him as as they are uh, because that's okay. Now I don't like a guy hitting one eighty. Or, or below, I think Stanton's actually hitting like in the 140s over the last 10 days or so uh, over an extended stretch. Like that's not good, but you can stomach periods of that if there's a lot of production mixed in and then, you know, they're going to get a couple hits. Like even a guy like Aaron Judge has not really been all that hot lately. He has a couple big hits mixed in with a lot of outs, but on the whole, I, I agree that Stanton does get a little too much hate. Uh, it didn't help that he struck out Every time he came up in that 20 and that 38 home run, 100 RBI <laughs> first year with the Yankees, especially every time in that series against the Red Sox, every slider low and away, Kimbrell owned his ass. Like, yeah. Um, he went I, out I, there I, in the wild card game last year and just pissed all over the Red Sox. So that made me happy. Yeah, that that's that's the the funniest thing is that if that game was in any ballpark other than Fenway Park, then hits three home runs in the playoff game. And uh, who the hell knows if we win that game? But that's neither here nor there. Um, that, that's why I got to beat the Orioles. Uh, anyways, um, let's talk about the Red Sox series, right? Um, so the Thursday night game, uh, it was basically the New York Yankees versus Rafael Devers. I mean, that was the game. Uh, the Yankees come out. Remember, they they scored a 6-16 to 16 run game the game before. And then they come out and just pick up right where they left off, right? Donaldson hits the grand slam. It was their third grand slam in the last two games. Uh, Hicks goes Donaldson back. Donaldson also on been game. on a little bit of a heater. Yep, Donaldson's finally picking up offensively. Obviously, he had the blunder defensively that he's going to be most known to this series for. But, yeah, he's really been picking it up at the plate. Absolutely. And you know who else has been picking it up at the plate? Aaron Hicks. Um, look, his numbers overall still aren't great, but – Chip, dude, he's 716 OPS on the year, 109 OPS plus, 357 OBP. I mean, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, it's like, well, Hicks is tolerable. And that's that's all we've needed Hicks to be. You know, we don't need Hicks to be like a 30-plus home run guy, 800-plus OPS. No, we just need him to be okay. And, you know, he's been hot in the last couple weeks. And all of a sudden, he's putting together an okay season. That's all we've needed from him. So. Yeah, the next pitch after Donaldson's the Grand Slam, Hicks goes deep, makes a 5 nothing. Trevino gets the RBI double to make it 6-2. And, you know, Rafael Devers, <laughs> I don't know why Cole pitched to him. Uh, obviously, Cole's not the type of guy to back down from guys. But, yeah, Rafael Devers, two home runs in this game, accounted for all five of the Red Sox runs. But, I mean, the bullpen was outstanding in this game. Wandy to King to Holmes, shut it down. The Yanks win 6-5. Um, I do give credit to Cole for, you know, despite giving up the two home runs, still getting through six innings. Uh, that definitely, just think of it like o- ominous foreshadowing. Cole getting through six innings was very important because, you know, none none of the other starters really gave us any length this weekend. So that was very big of Cole. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know about you guys, but nothing. there's not much I love more than the King-Holmes combo. And, you know, shout out to Wandy and even, even Licky. Both have been really good out of the bullpen this year. You know, for two guys that we really haven't expected a lot out of, like both have been really solid. I mean, Licky ate, I mean, what was it, Saturday? He ate three and a third innings. He threw almost 50 pitches. That was huge yeah. for this. We're just game. not going to give Wandy too much credit because he also did piss all over himself on Saturday night. 
He he did, but I wasn't mean, look, wasn't I mean, helped by the Donaldson. Look, error, but like I like I just said though, we'll get to that. But like Wandy, we really don't expect much out of him, and overall, he has been solid this year. So you got to give him credit for that. And and he's unfortunately the third guy on the totem pole right now with Chapman still right. working way back. Yeah, it's like it's not his fault that so many Green and Britain, Britain and Chapman yeah. and Lasagna. It's not like it's not his fault. All like four guys ahead of him all got hurt, and now he's kind of just you know the third main guy in the bullpen, which is kind of scary, but. Yeah, that's and he's mostly doing. holding his own, which is nice because, like, get a little, you know, dip your toe in the high leverage innings, right? It'll serve him well when he goes back down to his flexible role. Absolutely. So let's go to Friday's. Not, you know, not really much to talk about in Thursday's game other than, you know, the Yankees came out hot offensively. And they were also hot offensively Friday, man. Uh, Donaldson, once again. Hits a big home run early on the first for a four-run first inning. And guys, is should there were six Yankee All-Stars. Should there have been seven? Because Matt Car, I think Matt Carpenter's an All-Star. I mean, where can I but write in Matt Carpenter for the All-Star game? Because this guy is just a man on a mission. I mean, he he is just unbelievable, man. He has been so good for the Yankees. You really just can't say enough about him. I mean, you really like he's just been absolutely unbelievable. I mean, three for four on Friday, um, hits another home run, uh, part of a huge game. I mean, Yankees win this one 12 to five. It really was never even close. Nestor, just another rough start for Nestor. Uh, didn't make it out of the fourth inning. Green two thirds, eight hits, four runs. But it's funny you say the game wasn't close, but there's moments where I think even you particularly were like, this is very, very bad. Uh, I think like when uh, Castro had to wiggle out of whatever that was, the fifth inning, then Nestor set him up the mess. Like, even then, the Red Sox never really got close, but there was a moment where it's like, well, if this guy pops one, it's a one-run game all of a sudden. It, I mean, it was, look, it was 9-5 with the bases loaded in the sixth inning, absolutely. But, I mean, at the end of the day, it was 12-5, and it never got within, you know, it never got within four rounds. It's never it's never a sure thing with Miguel Castro on the mound, let's be real. But at the end of the day, he struck, did strike out three guys over inning a third, so got to give him credit. Um, like I said, I, I mistakenly said that Saturday was the game liquidating to Friday was the game liquidate three and a third innings for us. Uh, was, I mean, he struck out six guys over three and a third innings. I mean, he was looking like Sandy Koufax out there. I mean, he was nasty. They couldn't touch Licky. Um, uh, funny but, thing yeah. about the Matt Carpenter thing, you know, he's, I mean, he's been incredible. That's like a great find for the Yankees. Um, but every now and then, you know, we have to throw a stray out there. So I'm just going to throw one at Joey Gallo because it's really easy. Uh, Matt Carpenter there you go. has, well, I'll say Joey Gallo. Joey Gallo has in 70 games, 240 plate appearances, 10 home runs, 21 RBIs. He's batting 166. Matt Carpenter in 26 games has 77 plate appearances, has 10 home runs, 22 RBIs. And he's batting three forty four. Now, Jake, it, it's kind of tough to talk shit about Joey Gallo after he hit the triple of the year this this weekend series. Hey, that was part of the Friday uh, game too. I forgot. You I was did. at that game yes, and I was, I was like, damn. I was. Uh, I, I did. I was not going to go into the next game until I mentioned that because that <laughs> that was dude. Oh, I'm sorry. That I was never, really really like, funny. I mean, you were obviously like you said you were at the game, and I mean look. Just watching it on TV, like, I've never seen something where, like, the moment that ball was hit, like, look, I played, like, the outfield for years and years, and this will happen sometimes. Sometimes the ball is hit, and you just do not catch it off the bat, and it is the worst feeling. 
because you'll just kind of out of the you know the corner of your eyes you'll just see like everyone kind of start like look towards your direction and like you could just tell that he out just he just couldn't did not see that ball for one second and like, oh, dude panic, Arroyo, man like, it was really really went, funny like the panic as each second went by was just and you like, saw him like yelling at everyone else like tell me where it is i don't yeah. know where it is tell me like, he, he started like his feet started moving so fast on the ground he just like it was unbelievable that was unbelievable like i don't i said i said oh my god he does not see the ball like that it was, you don't see you really don't see that every day and, i mean it would have been hilarious oh my god dude he got, he got heat from home, the, like that whole corner of the stadium just was just ruthless after yeah, that. Yeah, it was pretty funny. You know, that was one of those, uh, like, you know, highlights that, like, you see. And I, I, I watched that, like, 10, 15 times, I think. And I just, at a certain point, I was just watching people in the crowd and just looking at faces. And, like, people were just so, and, like, obviously, the Yankee fans in the crowd were celebrating. But all the Red Sox fans were just so, you could just tell, they were just so angry. They're, like, pointing at the, at the ball. They're just, like, telling them to get, like, back to the ball. Oh, man, that was great. That was just absolutely hysterical. Um, but yeah, uh, the first like first two games of the series, man, like we were feeling good. It, life was good. We're all right. We already won two. We're about to sweep these guys. We're about to bury them. And yeah, that was not the case. Uh, Saturday's game, uh, obviously, Gumby started. Gumby gave us a good outing. Classic Gumby outing, right? I mean, I always say, like, Gumby, literally, there's, like, an 80 90% chance, like, you know what outing he's going to give you. You know, five and two-thirds, five hits, two runs, one walk, four strikeouts. That's a classic Gumby outing. Um, another game where Hicks, you know, hits a home run. Uh, they have a big sixth inning with Rizzo and Donaldson both getting big hits. Um, but then, I mean, guys, you know, it was, I, I would never thought I'd say this, but Rob Refsider was a real thorn in our side this weekend, man. I mean, he was freaking hitting the ball all over the place, man. He was really damn good. This was the Robbie Ref we all imagined when he was our top prospect like six, seven years ago. I mean, shit, dude. He you was, know, when he was this weekend. the second baseman that we were just desperately hoping would replace Stephen Drew in the aftermath of Robinson Cano leaving. <laughs> Robinson Cano, Atlanta Brave starter. I don't know if you guys saw that. He's already starting for the Braves, which is wild. Um, but yeah, this one, you know, the Red Sox come. We were up three-one. The Red Sox come back to tie it. They tie it off a uh, Clay Holmes. They brought in. The, we brought in in the eighth off a uh, very frustrating. You know, two Verdugo just you know put punches one through the left side to tie the game. Game goes into extras. Yankees score two. Judge gets a big double. So does Rizzo. And uh, Rizzo inexplicably tries to steal third. He's out by, like, 20 feet. Turns out to be costly because the Yankees lose 6-5 off another Verdugo single. And obviously, as we've already alluded to a few times before, Donaldson, chance to turn a double play, bobbles it, only gets one out. Game extends, and the Red Sox win it the next batter. So It's one thing that I will say is there was way – Way too many outs on the bases this series. And I know that's not really yep, who the Yankees absolutely. are. It could just yeah, be an aberration. Absolutely. But, like, obviously Gallo trying to stretch his his fly ball into that an was understandable. Park home run. Yeah, that was fine. He was kind of laughing at that. I, mean, I think they were up, like, 7-2. The, the his, two runs had already scored, too. So, at that point, it's like, all right, you might as well go for the That one was okay, but there. the Rizzo one was, was crippling. Didn't Trevino get picked off mm-hmm. last night? Yeah. Um, Here's the thing, like when so like the Yankees, the, the Yankees have been aggressive on the when you're aggressive on the bases all year, it's like the all year, like the Yankees have been. 
at times you're going to get thrown out. Like it just happened. That's just what happens when you're aggressive on the base. A lot of times it works out. Sometimes it doesn't. But yeah, you're absolutely right. You can't have that many outs on the bases in a big series like this. It's just that's a big no go. That's could be the difference between taking three or four and splitting, right? So, and I honestly think that the risen one was the biggest difference. Oh, absolutely. I because mean, he's on third with point, one out, and there's no guarantee that he scores. But even if he does, I know the Red Sox scored three runs to win it. Uh, but fallacy of the predetermined outcome. Maybe Wandy pitches differently with a three-run lead. Uh, and maybe things don't even get there. Like I have no, you have no right. idea how that game shakes. And maybe the Yankees put up a five spot in that inning, and it's a non-issue. Like him getting thrown out at third completely killed that inning. They got two runs on the board, which is nice, but it could have been a gigantic inning, and it never really was. Yeah, yeah, that was that game. That was definitely a frustrating loss um, between yeah the Rizzo getting thrown out, and then obviously Donaldson's blunder. Yeah, uh, it was a tough one to swallow, to say the least. Uh, but. <laughs> Like here's the thing, you just you just really can't afford like like I already said you can't afford to have that many outs on the bases against a team like Red Sox. I mean, if you're Rizzo, like look, what like if, why are you trying to steal that base, man? Like you are so slow, you like you you are not fast, man, at all. Like it, and really like they were showing the replay. He got such a terrible jump. Like, it was just such an awful – he got, like, a great jump, and then, like, the, you know, the catcher just absolutely nails him at third, and it's a close play. So be it. Like, all right, I, I see the vision. Dude, you were out by, like, 10 feet. I mean, we were already up by two. Like, we've already gotten two doubles in the innings. Like, just let us hit, dude. The momentum's there. Let, like, let, let the next guy get hit. Let, you know, we're, it's only one out. Like, let's – you know, we have a two chances to get a hit. Like, let, let the lineup hit. So, yeah, man, that was – that was just very bad. Uh, it was not what you want to see. Um, let's go to the series finale, which, you know, it started off really good. Uh, Stanton, I mean, can we just talk about it? Let's talk about Let's take like 30 seconds or a minute to talk about that Stanton home run in the first inning and how that was just – like I think – I don't think it went like 20 feet off the ground. It was just an absolute laser. Now, the exit um, velocity on that was 114. The launch angle was 16 degrees. That's, yeah, that's, that's only Stanton can hit a home run like that. Unbelievable! Like that, that one was just like I thought. Like you know, when he hit that, I said, "Oh, that's a double off the gap." I wonder. I'm thinking like I, I was wondering if the runner was gonna score, right? Because I'm thinking like, "Ooh, okay, it's, let's see. Hopefully, it doesn't ground or double." And then it just goes out. And I said to my, "Does that go out? Like, there's no way that ball looked like a fucking you know just a double into the gap." But yep, Stanton just has unreal exit velo. Um. The Yankees, you know, they hopped up to a 4 nothing lead, right? Torino has another big RBI single. Even IKF got involved in an RBI single. You don't say that every day. Um, but, you know, the Red Sox clawed back. Carpenter hits another home run in this one to make it 6-2. But, like I said earlier, man, the Red Sox, they scored nine unanswered in this game, man. Um, it got really ugly. Tyone once again gets hit up. He's now, I believe, about 20 earned runs in his last 20 in the third inning. Uh, he's really struggled of late. He went five innings, six runs in this one. Uh, Chapman comes in. Obviously, he you know walks a couple guys, goes a pit, struggles a bit, but did not get any help from DJ, who missed not one but two flat, uh, pop-ups. You know that were kind of in between him and the outfielders. He, you know, it was I believe in my opinion both were his clearly his fault. Um, that gave the Red Sox a run, and from there Castro comes in, can't get an out. And the Yankees lose 11-6, and it got yeah the game got pretty ugly. Um, and they leave Boston with kind of a disappointing split. 
I will so. say, and, and maybe this is just out of out of place here, and you guys tell me if I'm if I'm overreacting here. But I think the uh-huh. the part of of Sunday's game that actually pissed me off the most uh, wasn't Tyone giving up um, the the lead. It wasn't Miguel Castro pitching like shit. It was that at bat to Stanton <laughs> where he didn't swing the bat one time and three pitches off the oh play like God, that was strikes. So bad. That and that, that was it was so a, it was a seven six game at that point I believe so like they were still very much in it yep. and there was no one on base and there was two outs and I get like even if he walks there's no guarantee that they do anything that inning but to take the bat out of Stanton's hand in in that manner like when nothing was close to the plate and he got called not once not twice but three times was rung up on strikes uh, on pitches that that were. Like they, none of them. Like they're all hilariously not close yeah, you, to you don't, yeah. Like I was about to say, you don't see that every day where like three pitches are none of them are a strike. Like all three pitches are clearly off. Not even like one clipped the zone. It was like half and half. All three pitches were clearly out of the zone. And it was it's like really at that point, it's like you are literally taking the bat out of this guy's hand. And it's a yeah, one run game, the Red Sox game go out. it's BS. And the Red Sox went back out there the next inning and added more runs. So it's like, hey, obviously, you know, predetermined outcomes and all that stuff, whatever. But, like, um, they took the bat out of his hands. And they – an opportunity, whatever opportunity it might have been, was taken from them. And the Red Sox went out there and stretched the lead the next inning. So it's really, really bullshit. But, you know – you know, And I don't want to be sour grapes because the Yankees could have done way – more things in that game to win where that would have right. been a non-issue. But like, uh, like look, I'm just going to say something. Trip, Gip, Trip Gibson, I'm on uh, umpire scorecards right now. Uh, 82% called strike accuracy in last night's game. That's pathetic. That's just so yeah. bad. If one out of every yeah. five pitches off the plate, you're calling a strike. Or is that? Okay, so it's 12 like of people 60, would generally... 66 called strikes were called balls. Okay, that's so bad. Right. I feel like people, like MLB fans generally would maybe not be as mad or whatever like we have no idea what baseball actually does or if they do anything to be like hey you know what you did a really shitty job like you know here's what the consequences of that are like so just to be like hey well you know hey this guy did a shitty job whatever we all hear people chanting about robot umps like it's bullshit this guy did a like you know they're human beings that's fine but like just to be you know, fans need to get some idea of what there is actually being done to improve the umpiring in these games. Otherwise, it's just going to continue to be a really bad look for the for the, yeah. the league. Speaking of robot yeah. umps, did you guys hear what A Rod said on the K Rod broadcast? He basically oh, was God. was 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 pulling like some. Well, if you're a Barry Bonds type hitter, then you deserve the extra inch um, inside the strike zone to be called a ball. Or if you're like Randy Johnson, you get the extra inch off the plate to be called. A strike. It's like I, he's so anti. He's not only so anti-robot umps, but he thinks that, like, there's a level of, like, you earned a, a bigger or smaller strike zone. Like, what the hell is that? What, what I mean, he also probably no, that calls. No, like, see, that's that's BS, and it also BS, and a lot of umpires do this, is changing the zone when it's, like, depending on the count, right? If it's, like, 3-0, and no, uh-huh. and they're going to, like, expand the zone a bit just to, like, and, like nah, dude, if it's... If you're going to call it a ball on 1-1, call it a ball on 3-F. Like, who, Dude, and that's exactly why people think games are like are like rigged. And I know they're not, but like you look at that Stanton at bat, like the Red Sox had just taken the lead the previous inning. The, uh, I think it was what Sawamura was, was, was cruising through, about to finish the second inning. And like the umpire was, I don't want to say like he was 
in the flow of like, well, the Red Sox had the momentum, so he was kind of riding that wave. But the call backed up that thing, even if it wasn't a biased call. The fact that he was kind of like, oh, the Red Sox are are doing well right now. They got a little momentum, and the calls were just going to inadvertently go their way. That's fucked up. Like you gotta you gotta pull that aside and literally call things completely in a vacuum. And he didn't. Yeah, it just feels like these umpires just keep getting worse and worse. It really sucks. Um, but. Yeah, uh, and not even because anyway. we have to see something about Angel Hernandez on on you know <laughs> on the internet or on Sports Center every other day. Like completely independent of him, it seems like it's getting worse. Yeah, but guys, any any final thoughts about this Red Sox series before we talk about kind of you know what this team what this team needs to improve on before the trade deadline? Like the only, my my last words on on the the Red Sox series is I'm not as completely okay with them losing. Three, uh, two out of four the, the way they did. But I will say that they get an immediate opportunity for revenge when Boston comes to the Bronx next weekend. So if the Yankees take yep. two out of three in that series, they take care of their business. They don't give away leads. They don't play sloppy defense. They don't make outs on the bases. They don't have crippling bullpen late. And they just are the team that we've seen the majority of the year. Then everything's fine, right? The losses like this seed a little doubt in my mind because Boston's eliminated us from the playoffs two of the last four years already. So like that, that's, that's in my mind. Right. Uh, but if they go ahead and take care of business, the next few times they face them, this will be far in the rear view mirror. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I get that. I would just say, like I said, I think I see nothing. Uh, it, it, although there was plenty of annoying things, nothing to indicate that I'd be like utterly terrified that Boston would just like steamroll us in a playoff series because very likely it'll be a series and not just one game on the road, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, all that to say, just don't leave the shit on the table. Next time you play him, if you have a lead, you know, don't bring in fucking Albert Abreu or Miguel Castro. You know, don't send your starter back out there for one more inning if he's starting to get the ball hit hard off him. Just like handle your business, go into the all-star break. And let's say minorly positive nugget um, amidst what was a really stupid and terrible inning. Chapman walked a couple of guys and then started to pitch a little bit better after that. So um, that'll be nice. If he can start, you know, keep improving a little bit. He's had a kind of a weird jump started on and off season so far. But he started to look better after Matt Blake made that man visit. Yeah, he basically got five outs. So you really can't, you know him too much for that but yeah so you know i was saying this before the show and it really is just kind of because the yankees at this point are 61 and 25 they're the best team in baseball 14 games up in the division but this is a team that still has some holes to fill and you know usually when you have that type of record you it's like all right we don't need to do anything on the trade deadline right we, we're, we're literally like over 30 games over five, 30, almost 30 games over 500 we're you know the best team in baseball we, you know, we don't need to do anything but I do think the Yankees could could use a couple guys. I mean, obviously the Joey Gallo situation. Like we've heard rumors that oh, I think the Rangers and I forget who else could be interested in Gallo. Um, you know, the art like like we were saying earlier, the bullpen situation. I mean, look, Loizaga is supposed to come back. Uh, obviously, we've heard rumblings about Domingo Herman coming back. Who knows where he fits in? So maybe those guys come back and are effective, and those are kind of like our midseason additions to the bullpen, and we don't need to get anyone. But I don't know, man. I any you know we've even heard that the Yankees are still in the market for possibly a starter, right? Montes, a couple other guys are out there. I think Andrew, you mentioned that if the White Sox keep trending downward, I mean, who knows? who they may make available. 
But yeah, it, like Andrew, who do you think the Yankees kind of should be looking? I mean, there really aren't that many bullpen. Like, I think they should add a bullpen arm or two. I mean, two guys that come to mind that are both older guys, but both experienced and good veteran arms. Uh, one one very familiar name, David Robertson, and maybe you know like a Diego Castillo are two names I've heard could be on the market. But I mean, that's not like a huge splash. But I do think the Yankees need bullpen arms because, like we were saying, I mean, I don't think you could rely on. Miguel Castro and Albert Abreu. And I also don't think you rely on, you know, Loaiza and even like Chapman and Herman and all these guys coming back to form and being what they have been in the past few years. It's it's definitely fair to be hesitant in, in trusting a guy like Loaiza recovering from his injury. Uh, now, it's a shoulder injury and he had the same injury at the end of last season. So it, it's definitely fair concern. If he comes back and he's, and he's awesome, then we'll certainly benefit from that. I do trust that whoever they go out and add, they'll probably add on on the the lower end in terms of relievers, like a Clay Holmes type, where there's not a lot of smoke around the guy, and then they can fix him very fast based on some underlying metrics they see. Uh, as far as like the sexy names that everyone's always saying, Andrew Benintendi is the one that everyone says the most. There was reports say that the Yankees have checked in on Michael A. Taylor, which I don't hate either because it gives you another center fielder. Judge can take a little more days at DH or back in right field, put a little less stress on his body with the lower leg injuries he's dealing with right now. Uh, and who the hell knows what's going on with Hicks. A guy that I saw in Ian, passing. Ian Happ, I've heard. Yeah, Ian Happ is one. I, I was looking at like Albert Ormora Jr. earlier in the year, but he's on the lower end of availability. But like, what if a guy like Ramon Laureano becomes available? I know he's similar to to, to Joey Gallo and that he strikes out a bunch, but he definitely makes more contact. He's got the best outfield arm in baseball and and an electric defender has a lot of speed. Like if that guy becomes available, like would you say, and I know the the biggest thing is, is that what we've seen with, with, with Matt Carpenter playing the outfield and hitting well, with Aaron Hicks making a rebound, is the Yankees may not even need to upgrade the outfield. Like, that's the lower yeah. part. Now, you mentioned yeah, a Carpenter, starter, you mentioned a reliever. Yeah. Let's talk about a shortstop, because I'm sick and tired of Isaiah Connor falefa Like, there's there's people who still try and tell me that he's a, a decent player because he hits his batting average, what, like 270? Like, oh, batting average means nothing. And it means even less when you're only hitting singles. He has zero home runs on the year right now. And I think his OPS... Plus is what, like 75? So he's 25% below a league average hitter. You mean to tell me we can't bring up a guy like Oswald Peraza from AAA and get better production? We, I would say we got to yeah. start looking at shortstops. And I don't know who's going to be available externally. But by all, you know, worst case scenario, promote Peraza. Yeah, I can have 267 average, 317 OBP, 84 OPS plus. Um, and he, like... It really, like he hasn't even like you know he has stolen 13 bases in 16 attempts so that has been a positive but you know defensively he really like hasn't even been that great I mean like we've been like just think of it how many almost errors has IKF had this year like how many times has IKF made a bad play that like the official scorebook hasn't ruled an error but easily could have like he has not been good defensively this year at all especially from short so I, I mean was, yeah, I he really was hasn't on been. Twitter yesterday about. Like, and, and this was the inning where it started to get away, where it was like a, a a routine ground ball. Like, he didn't have to move. IKF fields it and then skips it to first base. And someone goes and says, oh, that's Rizzo's fault. I'm like, y'all, the ball bounced five feet in front of first base. He didn't even have to move to pick it up. Like, yeah, it's is, not even, are we, are we good. lowering the bar to be like, hey, you know what, Derek Jeter, he didn't have range, but he made the routine play like yeah, nine out of ten times. Lowering the bar times. for shortstop and then, and then 
out of line raising the bar for the first baseman. It's like everyone has to be Mark Teixeira and scoop every ball in the dirt. Like what literally, the, like, how about yeah, just make the guy literally said that. And not to like air out one of our followers. Thank you for following, but like, you know, the guy was like Mark Teixeira would have made that play. I'm like, cool. That's great. Mark Teixeira is an exceptional first baseman. Anthony Rizzo is too. But like, we're not talking about the first baseman. We're talking about the yeah. shortstop who stinks. He's terrible. Like Oswald yeah, Peraza, it, get him up here. He's and his numbers I, the last thirty games are pretty good. But he's like an athletic young kid. Bring some juice to the game. Yeah, I really think that should be looked into, especially you know, like if we get to like the mid end of August and the Yankees are still fifteen or more up. And hey, you could afford it. All right, throw him in there for the you know, give him like a month, month and a half of regular season experience. All right, if he does well, then he has you know five, six weeks of MLB experience under his belt before the postseason, right? Because yeah, he has been doing well in AAA. So we'll see. Because I mean, yeah, it's just um, unbelievable that Ikef still does not have a home run. I mean, it's <laughs> I mean, we're halfway through the season. I know he only hit eight last year, and only, only I think he only has like what twenty for his career. But well, currently yeah, he's I mean, on pace for zero. So. Um, this was the, this was the um, and I'll say this because you know IKF. I think he's becoming like our next in line behind Joey Gallo as like the guy we rip on, but it's very justified. Like I was perfectly fine, and I admit whatever. I guess you could say excited, whatever. I was like fine with the acquisition because I was like, oh, he's good fielder. Maybe he'll hit a bunch of singles, like the occasional double. Like he really hasn't done anything to make me, you know whatever justify that mild excitement like he just he's the guy who basically if he's in the lineup i would just bat him ninth every time because he's just not really doing anything um yeah it's gonna be tough it's gonna be tough to pass joey gallo though with his uh right now no i mean but joey gallo like one of you all said this i'm like yeah joey gallo like i'll throw the occasional stray at him because he stinks but like he just like he doesn't play quite as much anymore um what was the uh what was the what was the Fox number they said that he only had? Well, I think it was Fox that said he only had two career sack flies. Yeah, that like, was Ruto, how, and, and number three so would have okay, been. That was yes, okay. And number three would have been the ball. Yeah, would have been the, the yeah. The, mm-hmm. That is unbelievable. I just, the, the funniest part about sacks, that was that, that Ruto said it, and then and then David Cohen kept being like two, two. And he's got two, two. He only has. To, he was like so dumbfounded. He had to keep yeah. repeating it. And, and like they said, and it was such a good point. Like especially for a guy that hits a lot of fly balls, you know, like he has a fucking uppercut swing. Like you would think he'd have like two sacrifice flies in his career. That's, um, like obviously he doesn't. He strikes out a lot. And he's like a two hundred career average. But yeah, that was that was actually shocking. That was unbelievable to find. Um, out. And I'll, I'll point this out in terms of like trade acquisitions. Um, I think starting. You know, Juan the pitching Soto side of it. Us. Yeah, I mean, look, three or four years from now, after he signs that 400 and whatever million dollar contract, mm-hmm. the Yankees are going to be knocking on the door. Exactly. Um, the pitching side of it is where I'd focus. And um, we talked about Tyone. I am losing steam on Tyone in, in general, but, like, obviously his recent performance has been terrible. Uh, Nestor Cortez, some signs of maybe, you know, fatigue or signs that are concerning. All of that to say that I think if I was to acquire anything, it would be a starter. Um, I don't think there's like a Verlander. Well, it's not maybe clear. I don't think there's going to be like a you have to give up your top guys for this starter kind of acquisition on the market quite yet. Um, But, I mean, I think they should get a starter. I don't think – I mean, Brian Cashman has shown the ability to get a starter or get a player and not really give up much of anything. 
Um, for a starting pitcher, you're gonna have to. You're gonna have to. Well, yeah, no, you give up something, but like, you, I think they can get a useful, mild improvement without giving up like Anthony Volpe. Um, John Heyman actually tweeted that today. He said like the Yankees asked about like Luis Castillo, but the Reds want either Volpe or Oswald Peraza, so like Yankees would hang up the phone pretty quickly. I think. Either way, I mean, I think you could get an improvement on the starting side. I think they should, and they probably will, but I think you could get it without giving up, like, top currency. It's such and, a shame um, how well those two guys are doing. Uh, Peraza is, is hitting near, what, like, 300. Uh, Volpe's figuring out, and he also has, like, almost 40 steals already in July. Yeah. Uh, which is awesome. Oh, They're playing good defense. Uh, but it, it's just frustrating how good both of them are playing, and they're the heir parents as, as the next shortstop. Neither of them are ready to be promoted. As of right now, I would argue that Peraza really can't be worse than IKF, but I don't think they think he's ready as of this moment. And then certainly because they're on the cusp and you maybe think that IKF is kind of a placeholder, you're not going to trade either of them to to improve another area of the roster. So you're kind of stuck in between right now. And that's almost where like a one-year deal, like if they gave, I don't know, $30 million to Correa or something like that uh, for one year, just as a, to see what happens kind of thing, uh, then you're not in this situation. But I digress. And the, Peraza so the, right now 724 on, OPS on the, and AAA. So he's doing well, but not he's not exactly with lighting the world on fire. So um, the, No, uh, but you got to look at his numbers because over the last, this, like, 10 weeks or so, he's been oh, no, I, oh, he's been he's been very hot over the last couple of months. But overall, I'm saying he hasn't, you know, his numbers are pr- pretty average for AAA so far. The, um, the Playoff Tanaka account on, on Twitter – um, posted this on July 4th. Oswald Peraza since May 25th, 306, 378, 531, 140 weighted RC plus. And then maybe someone that we forgot about a little bit, Esteban Florial, since April 27th, 344, 422, 560, and 164 WRC plus. So, like, even if you, you know, maybe trade Gallo or just get rid of him just because he's taken up a roster spot and he stinks. Um, you're not going to get anything for him, but just as like a, we could use this roster spot, like maybe eventually you find a way to get Peraza on the roster, get Florial on the roster, like guys who are young and athletic. And then between IKF and, you know, Peraza, Florial and Hicks and Carpenter, you cobble together what is a, you know, improved infield, outfield bench rotation, that kind of a thing. I don't even think you need to go outside. You know, maybe you do, maybe you know, whomever comes available and you go get an outfielder. But, like, there's there's options internally that they should consider first. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, anyone, you know, anyone, I'd rather anyone over at KF at this point. Um, he's, you know, like, you feel bad. Like, obviously, he was always just, they had, they always meant for him to be a placeholder. But, yeah, I'm kind of just sick of him. Um yeah, guys. Uh, he just doesn't people. do anything on a nightly basis. Nope. Like he doesn't. It's a, it's a shame, you know. And especially when you're like, oh, he wanted to be a Yankee. That's all well and good and wonderful. He doesn't do anything. That, he doesn't contribute that, that. to the game. <laughs> guys, I'm getting a from our friendly Slack chat. Uh, getting word from AC that Robinson Cano. I mentioned he's starting earlier. He has two hits against the Mets tonight. So of course he does. Uh, <laughs> that's that's baseball, Susan. Um, that's just how that's how it rolls. Um. All right, guys, let's uh, wrap up the show by uh, looking ahead to the last week of the first half of the season, right? We have 
three-game set at home against the Reds, and then a three-game set at home against the Red Sox. And then it's the All-Star break, right? So Reds have been pretty bad this year. I mean, obviously, if, if anyone remembers, uh, the Reds were like 3-20 and 20 to start off. So, I mean, the fact that they're 32-54, and 54, like they've actually been basically a 500 team over the past couple of months. So they're not as bad as the record is. It's uh, considering better. they lost like three of their first 25. Yeah, they like, won three of their thing. first like, like they, 25 games. <laughs> exactly. Like they've actually been playing okay baseball over the couple of months after just like one of the worst starts you're ever going to see. Um, so, yeah, the three-game set. Uh, obviously, the Yankees have been pretty good about taking care of the bad teams this year. And the good team, they've been taking care of every team, right? Uh, Cole, Sebi, and Nestor will go this week. And I know it's supposed to be Gumby, Tyone, and Cole against the Red Sox this weekend. Um, but, yeah, important to finish the first half strong. Um, Can I just <laughs> say something? How How pissed off? I am, and it's completely unfortunate. It's no one's yeah. fault that that mm-hmm. Luis Severino's not going to get one crack at the Red Sox in two matchups. We play seven yeah. games against him in ten days. He's not going to play him one. I, know, I noticed that, and also the fact that this game Tuesday, this is going to be the Yankees' first game at Yankee Stadium since June 29th. It's been two full, basically two full weeks without without a game at Yankee Stadium. That was yeah, a long and road and that honestly, I didn't really consider that could have been part of where they kind of tailed off at the end of that Red Sox series. Right. It's been dreary at the end of a long home uh, road trip, and, and maybe just caught up to them. I, I I get that. And at the end, like look at the end of the day, they go uh, they go five and five, or excuse me, they, yeah, let me see. Yeah, they go five and five on the road trip. Um, Since our last fine. podcast, any was other year, on June twenty seventh, they were eight and five. Yeah, yeah, so like any other year, you would like a five and five road trip against you know. Look, we played the Astros. The Guardians are okay. The two against the Pirates, four against the Red Sox. Like that's not an easy road trip. Five and five. Any other year, you're like cool with that. But you know, this is a year where obviously we expect more from this team, right? We're we're on pace to win over 100 games. We realize there's going to be some lulls. We realize they're probably not going to win you know, 120 plus games like they've been on pace to all year. But you know, a couple of those, all right, a couple of those losses. You, know, you never want to lose to the Pirates. Uh, you never. The Guardians' loss was kind of frustrating. Shout out to J-Mo for that. Shut out and one. <laughs> you never want to get shut out in one hit against the uh, Guardians. Right? That's just not what you want to see. Even though that was kind of a punt lineup, right? It's just. Really, uh, no judge. No, there was a lot of guys sitting that game, so whatever. But yeah, five and five in the and road judge trip. Judge did wind up sitting out like a couple games, or you yeah, know, lower couple bo- stretches of a couple good old games lower with body stuff. Um, the old lower good, body thing. That's that's like good, an actual quote, though. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, he's just been dealing with some lower body stuff, some soreness. Yep, classic classic boon terminology. But it seems that we're pretty healthy. Right, because there was some scares. Like, you know, Rizzo was out for a few games. Judge was out for a couple games. So it seems like we're all healthy. It seems like the All-Star break is coming at the right time, right? Obviously, six, you know, six of the, our guys are going to the All-Star game. But most aren't. We'll get some good rest for that week. Um, but, but, yeah, guys, any, uh, any final thoughts before we wrap it up here? Yeah, look, obviously the Yankees, you want them to continue – to, to keep the good times rolling against a, a bad Reds team ahead of this this next Red Sox series. But I, I will say that at this point in the season, more than the wins and losses, I'm really just focusing on on individual performances and right. performances as a team. So 
look, if the Yankees are battling at the, the end of the season for the American League East crown, something went catastrophically wrong or something ridiculous, like a team like Tampa or Boston wins like yeah, one of 22 out of 25 games, which oh, like if they, that happens, then fine. <laughs> yeah, but Fred, look, like, it, otherwise, like I'm not really concerned about the Yankees record, like wins and losses on a day-to-day basis don't bother me. The way they lose games will bother me more than a loss itself, right? Like I said, I don't know if it was either in one of our chats or on a previous podcast, but you lose a game, you know, they, they're going to go out West in, in, in August, I think twice, two separate West coast trips. If you lose one of those late night games against Seattle or something like that, oh, Seattle's pretty good right now too. They're, they've won eight games just as the Orioles have. Uh, but if you lose one of those random late night games to a team like Oakland or Seattle, like, eh, eh, you, you deal with that, but it's the games against, the Astros, the Red Sox that you had in your hand, you had a chance to win and you gave those away. Those ones hurt way more. And you would think that losing games against like garbage opponents would piss you off more. And for me, if it's just like one of those malaise games, like we saw on July 3rd, the, the, the one hit game against Cleveland, it's that's going to happen. Whatever. It's fine. The, the games that they lose to the Red Sox, like as long as they avoid those type of, of defeats, and you're going to have some over the course of 162-game season, but as long as they don't make a habit of losing like that, then the wins and losses don't really matter the rest of the season. They just got to prime up for, for October. Right, and like you just for, you, so often you'll just forget, like, oh, man, like, all oh, the Yankees look flat those two games. Like, dude, they're on the like the ninth and tenth games of a 10-game road trip. They're tired, right? They're, they're, these, a lot of these guys are banged up, like, especially the bullpen, like, you know, so, like, I think that's, like, the first thing you're going to really see in, like, the end of a long home – the end of a long road trip, the end of a long stretch where, you know, how many Yankees have already had a couple where they've played, like, 23 games in 24 days, right? You're going to see the bullpen, you know, the arms just aren't as sharp. Like, these guys have – a lot of these guys have – this is, like, their third or fourth time pitching in the last five, six days, right? And even if – the you know, even though the Yankees never use guys three days in a row and always try to, like, manage that well – a lot of these guys have been overworked. I mean, Clay and Mike King are like two of the most, you know, used relievers in all of baseball. Now, you know, they definitely have to like kind of minimize their usage usage as the season goes on because you don't you don't want those guys burnt out come October, right? Because they've used both those guys a lot. And they've both been phenomenal, but you know, it's very it's very easy to fall in love with guys in the bullpen and to kind of wear them out by September October. So. Yeah, man, the Yankees, they just really need to, you know, figure out. I, I really think they need to add to bullpen arms. Obviously, they didn't foresee, you know, Green and Loisaga both being out. Obviously, Green's out for the year. Hopefully, Loisaga comes back soon. But, yeah, it's going to be – I think that's, like you said, Andrew, I'm almost – like, for me, I'm almost more – like, at this point, my focus is, like, fully on, all right, who's this team adding before the trade deadline? Like, that's what I care more about, like, than the wins and losses right now. Because like you said, something catastrophic would have to happen for us to be like in a battle for the division. Obviously, we've seen some crazy things in in baseball and division races and sports in general. But yeah, at this point, I think the Yankees are smooth sailing. And it really is about who is this team going to add to really put themselves in a position. Because right now, obviously, you'd have to say they're probably the favorites to win it all with their record and with the team they have. But it's the difference between just being, you know, probable favorites and just being firm, like legitimate, you know, no doubt about it favorites. And I really think they could be that with a couple of additions to the, the bullpen. But who knows? Maybe they don't need to add anyone, right? Like, 
Like it's always anytime a team doesn't add anyone and gets guys back from injuries, like, oh, well, this this was like our trade, right? This was like our sign and getting these guys back. And maybe I feel like the Yankees may be thinking that when it comes, you know, with Luizaga and uh, Herman. So we'll see. But, um, yeah, guys, uh, gee, any final thoughts? Yeah, I mean, in terms of like acquisitions and bullpen and all that stuff, like for guys like lasagna right he's had a shoulder injury like he's had some concerning stuff happen lately so like you can't count on anyone to be healthy until they're healthy and zach Britton coming back from tommy john like we all expect him back maybe sooner than we all thought but like those guys would be great additions but if there's other additions that become available bullpen arms starters whatever just go get them Right. Like, if you want to say consideration of a couple of years ago, like they didn't go get Verlander, the Astros got Verlander. That was a huge swing moment in a series. Um, but this Yankee team is good. It's really good. Yeah. Like, this Yankee team is really good. So, if you were saying, like, oh, a couple of years ago, maybe we were a building team where or whatever, now you're a favorite and you should operate as such and don't take that shit for granted. Push your chips to the middle of the table. If there's a clear cut upgrade for an outfield for a starter for a bullpen definitely go get it you can replenish your farm system at some point you don't have to worry about that bullshit anymore the yankees farm system is plenty good enough go get the upgrade win win Be- now mode yes become the like and this is the silly thing this is a little digression i don't care um people say like oh you gave up xyz to get whomever justin verland or whoever like for one championship was it worth it like, how stupid is that? Was it worth it? Did you win a championship? Yeah, you sure did. So, like, anything for a championship, right? Like, that's dumb. Like, is it worth it? Is a twenty whatever year old prospect who hasn't seen the big leagues yet worth, you know, a championship? Yeah, I think so. Um, so, if you can get the upgrade, go get the upgrade, and then I don't know. I mean, coming out of the Red Sox series, they got a split. It's an annoying split. They got it. Have a big lead in the standings. You know, that's all wonderful. Like Andrew said, if they're competing for a division title at the end of the season, something has gone wrong. But um, I would say, you know, the next two or three weeks, maybe it'll, it'll be a little bit weird, maybe hard to judge. Um, you know, I think coming in to the All-Star break, long road trip, big lead in the division, couple injuries here or there. Um, go into the Red Sox series, get a split. You know, I think it's, and especially, you know, with the All-Star break right after all that, um, you know, maybe they got a little complacent, got a little bit of malaise, trying to coast through the finish line to the All-Star break. Right after the All-Star break, you have the trade deadline. So, like, it's going to be a weird couple weeks, I think. They should win the Red Series. They hopefully will win the Red Sox series. But coming out of the All-Star break, you know, have potential for some meaningful, significant changes maybe to the roster. And um, after that, you got to go and you have to put your hammer down again. And as the season goes on, you get to the August, they play the Red Sox again in August, they play the Red Sox all, they play division games all September, right? As you get later to the season, that's where I want to see them really mean business. And if they're fucking around and, you know, bringing in Miguel Castro and committing errors and all that stuff in September, then I'll be worried. Right now, not that worried. Exactly. And it's crazy because including those last three games, the fact that like we pretty much didn't play the Red Sox first half of the year, uh, 
20, I think like almost 20% of our remaining games are against the Red Sox. So yeah, we're going to be seeing a lot of them. Uh, but yeah, we'll see how it goes. Uh, but hopefully we have, you know, six games this week. We're definitely going to have a podcast. I'm not sure whether it's going to be before or after the, uh, home run derby and all-star game, but we'll definitely have a pod during the all-star break. Uh, Second half of the season, it gets started real quick, right? That first first Thursday, it's a, it's a doubleheader against Houston. So right away, it's you know going to have a few days. Obviously, it's going to be the home run derby and the All-Star game that we'll all probably watch. But, yeah, that Thursday, we get right back into it with the doubleheader in Houston. So And then we play, the hot, at this point, the hottest team in baseball we play in Baltimore, right? A three-game set against the O's. So, yeah. And then two-game set against the Mets in at uh, City Field. So, yeah, those are uh, those are seven tough games to come out of break. So, yeah, this team's gonna be tested right away. And like I said, All Star uh, trade deadline's coming up, so we'll see who this team adds. But that's gonna do it for us tonight. For Luigi, for Andrew, for G. This was the Bronx Power Battle Podcast, and we'll see you guys next time.